Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo. Here at The Art of Charm, we may not have all the answers, but we certainly have some of the questions. Of course, today on Fan Mail Friday, those questions come from you. And if you're new to what we do here at AOC, Check out other episodes as well. Fan Mail Friday, it's just like an advice Q&A thing. Most of our content is more in-depth. It's longer format, so you can check out the best of at theartofcharm.com slash best or the fundamentals toolbox at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got fundamentals of reading body language and nonverbal communication, the science of attraction, negotiation tools, networking techniques, influence and persuasion tactics, and everything else that we teach here at The Art of Charm. We'll send all that to your inbox if you text charmed. That's C-H-A-R-M-E-D to 33444 in the USA or wherever wherever you are. You can go to theartofcharm.com. All right, let's cut to it. Hi, Jordan. I admire what you're doing at The Art of Charm, and I value your work. Thank you for inspiring me and helping me to become a better man. As I respect your opinion, do you have any practical advice on how I can develop a more commanding voice? My father, mother, brother, and I do not have booming voices. It's hard to hear us in public places, especially amongst the blended white noise of loud chatter, TVs, music, etc., while I'm an adamant believer in the growth mindset and fiercely guard against victimizing myself, this is one area of my life where I wonder if my voice is some type of genetic setback. What can I do to develop a stronger voice? While I appreciate and have tried simple tips like speak from your diaphragm, I've not found success with this. Thank you so much for your time. Talk to you soon. Hey, yes, I do have some ideas about this because I also had trouble with my voice or I was either too loud or I was too quiet or I didn't speak much or I found my voice getting really tired, especially after doing a lot of shows. Have you taken voice lessons? They're typically for singing, but any good voice teacher can help you project. It's not actually that hard to do. It's more habit. It's it's probably something she could teach you in 10 minutes that's going to take you weeks or months to create the habit and stick with it. It's different speaking and different breathing, but any good voice teacher, and I mean just, just basic 101 should be able to give you drills to work on this. It should only take a few hours, and then you've gotta practice and practice and practice, but you can just do it throughout your daily life. You don't have to set aside three hours a week to sing into the mirror or anything. The problem is not hard to solve. You can definitely do it. You can even take voice lessons on Skype, which uh, I can definitely speak for. That's how I learned Chinese. I don't have any particular teachers in mind, but I will tell you, voice lessons on Skype uh, should be totally, totally fine. Nobody has to touch you or, or be right in the same room with you to do this. Next up. Hi, Jordan. First off, just let me say I love the show and what you're doing. Keep it up. I was listening to Fan Mail Friday number 87 and felt compelled to write in for Actress in Distress. My first question for her would be, has there been open communication about this topic with her boyfriend? If there's not been, then that's where I would start. 
if there has been open and healthy communication and it feels like they've been at odds and it feels like she needed to choose between her boyfriend and her career, then I definitely default to your original advice. However, it sounded like they've been together for two years and that on the surface, he understands that as an actress, she needs to do love scenes. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's not super jealous and fairly reasonable. Even the most confident, non-jealous person would still feel a little hurt or uncomfortable having their significant other do love scenes with another person. The key is to talk about it and agree on some guidelines. Here are some quick tips. Number one, lead with something like, The last thing I want is for my doing a love scene to come between us and make you doubt how important you are to me. Putting into words, the last thing you want, helps focus your message. Number two, put yourself in their shoes. Say something like, I know if I were in your position, even knowing nothing was going on, I would feel a little unreasonably jealous. I would be surprised if you didn't feel that way. Validating their feelings and destigmatizing their reaction will reduce the chances of them becoming defensive. Number three, create a plan together that you both agree on. Mention a behavior you've observed and brainstorm how the two of you can react when it happens. For example, sometimes I've noticed you get quiet and withdraw. When that happens, it really hurts my feelings. The next time this starts to happen, can we call it out in the moment? I know I personally withdraw when I get upset, and my husband used to give me space when I would get in those moods. I had to tell him that actually in those moments, even though I'm really prickly and mean as a bear, what I really want in that moment is a hug, to feel loved and be close to him. So I asked him to hug me next time I got angry. And you know what? The first time was awkward, but then I sank into the hug and ultimately calmed down. And then I gave him immediate positive feedback and thanked him for the hug recognizing that it was a leap of faith and that I really appreciated it. Recognizing specific behaviors or triggers and coming up with an agreed-upon action will help you both deal with future occurrences and make you feel safe in those actions. It should lead to healthier conversations and make you feel more like a team tackling the issue together than being at odds with each other. You won't get it perfect the first time, but you will get better each time. Number four, lastly, I recommend never making your boyfriend feel left out. No matter how wonderful or fun a love scene might be, always come home and when he asks how it was, respond with, it was fine, but there's nothing better than coming home to the real deal with you. He just needs to know that you still love him. It's going to be natural for him to wonder if he's a good kisser or if you find the other actor more attractive. Get ahead of that and tell him he's the most handsome, best you've ever had, sexy as hell, honey. Honestly, if you give someone a title like that to live up to, they usually try not to disappoint you. Anyways, hope that helps. I wish actress in distress the best of luck. Relationships are tough, but totally worth fighting for if it's with the right person. Hey, thank you so much for this. I think it's really cool, again, you know, to have the AOC fam helping each other out. Um, and I love this from a fellow AOC sister. So thank you so much for looking out for each other. Makes me feel warm in all the right places. All right, next question. Hey, Jordan, I hear you talking about taking notes on books. In the episode with Adam Grant about the originals, you talked about taking 17 pages of notes. What method do you use to format or even decide what to write? Do you write or type? How do you take down enough for you to remember, but short enough so that it doesn't take too much time? Thanks. Hey, actually, this is an interesting question. I had to think about this for a second, but what I use are Google Docs, Evernote, and for the books and basic, basic, basic show prep at a high level, and I can talk about this more in depth another time. Jason and I use Google Docs, we use Evernote, um, Audible, and other prep sources, and I've got a whole list of stuff that most people don't think of, but essentially, I'll read the book in Audible at 1.5 or 2x, take notes furiously in Google Docs, and then, or Evernote, depending on, on the setup, I write those notes, and then I go over those notes later, a few days later, and I write questions 
that I have about those notes, and I type them out because it's faster. I'm not studying, I'm deconstructing, and therefore speed is actually key. Uh, I take pull quotes from the story itself, plus my question after that in a bulleted line is enough, right? So if it's like, oh, you said this, and I think this this thing and this bullet, that can formulate a question. And sometimes I do ask the guest to tell me what they think I mean with a particular note or line. So I might say something to Mike Massimino like, hey, so I wrote here, it's all, it, nothing's for real until the rockets light up. Do you know what I meant by that? And he'll go, oh yeah, 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 this. And then I'll start the line over and Jason will edit it out so I sound smart, <laughs> basically. He'll say, it'll start with, you know, you wrote this in your book, does it mean this and this and this? And then we'll kind of go from there because uh, sometimes I do forget even my own notes, but I'm getting much better at that. It's a pretty rare occasion now because I actually know what jogs my own memory. Just remember that show prep here, it's not the same as studying. If you're doing that, if you're studying, I suggest handwriting notes, even on an iPad or something like that with the Apple Pencil, and then you type up a summary of those notes as an outline and put the content together in an orderly fashion, not just retyping the same thing, but actually outlining it and constructing something as if you were writing kind of a draft of a textbook. That's how I used to study for law school, and it was amazing. I really, really kicked butt with that method. Hope that helps. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, 
Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Thanks for listening and supporting The Art of Charm. For a list of all of the amazing sponsors and discount codes, visit theartofcharm.com slash advertisers. Now, back to Fan Mail Friday. All right, let's see what's next. Hey, Jordan. Thank you so much for your show. I listen to every episode, and I love thinking about the issues discussed in relation to my life. One thing I find missing from Fan Mail Friday is questions from younger people like myself, so I hope that if my question is answered on the show, it will help others like me. I'm an 18-year-old university student in my third year of mechanical engineering, and I hate every second of engineering, but I enjoy my arts options, and I'm very talented and skilled creatively. I'm feeling lost as to what path I should follow for the next few years, as are many people my age. I know this is an extremely broad topic, so I'm mainly curious about your thoughts on the necessity and specific values of a university degree, including the differences between disciplines. Almost every high performer I pay attention to went to university whether or not the degree they got was specifically applicable to their career. Even people like you, Gary Vaynerchuk, Chase Jarvis, and Tim Ferriss went to college, which really got to me. I'm conflicted when those same people, including you, say that university is not necessary, a racket, a waste of money, etc. This all made me wonder how much the experience and degree from university affects one's career and why the conflicts I mentioned arise. I was raised thinking that I needed to be an engineer, doctor, or lawyer to be successful, which is why I went into engineering. Although I've known that I'm not going to follow a career in engineering since I started my degree, I was convinced to finish even though I hate it because of the intrinsic value of an engineering degree. My questions for you are, what is the value in getting a degree for the experience and the educated person status, even if I hope not to use the degree in my career? Would it be more valuable to suffer for two years and finish something I hate rather than transferring to something I'm interested in for four years? As a creative with a vision and a plan, would it be better to drop out and work on my craft while keeping myself afloat with another job? I'm very smart, very self-aware, and willing to work for someone in order to work only as a freelancer or for myself later. I'm very confident in my creative skills, and I'm a high-achieving student, but I'm feeling lost as to what to do in school. Thanks, Conflicted and Hating School in Canada. Hey, Conflicted and Hating School in Canada. Look, I believe that for many people, well, in general, college is a racket. And I mean that they inflate prices for what you get. They know that they're going to put you into debt. They have no idea whether or not you can get a job. But that said, we still need people skilled and we still need people educated. Engineering is, in your case, sort of like a trade in that you get real skills versus, say, undergraduate degrees in anthropology or even in economics like me, if you're halfway through school, you can either work alongside your study 
or you can just finish studying and try to make it more interesting. In other words, worry less about your grades, uh, focus more on experiences and projects and things that you might otherwise not dive into if you were worried about getting straight A's for grad school like I was. And engineering, even if you wanna be creative, it's more worthwhile than most degrees, even in undergrad, because if I were in your shoes, I'd make the best of it that you can. And especially if your schooling is not digging you into debt, you know, if you're getting paid by the government or you've got scholarships or maybe somebody else is helping you do it and that is sort of an exploding offer, like your parents don't wanna pay for you to go when you're 30, but they'll pay for you to go now and they don't need the money for something else, uh, then I would definitely go ahead and, and do that, especially if you're not paying US tuition prices. I would give you the opposite advice. If you were studying English or history or something, I would say, hold up, you're just getting that degree because you wanna have a degree on your resume. Definitely don't go to school for that reason. Uh, I would save it, go back later if you need to, or learn a trade. A trade is an actual skill. Something that can teach you skills for jobs that actually exist is always, always preferred. Hope that helps. All right, moving right along. Dear Art of Charm, first off, thank you for all the thoughtful, genuine guidance you offer through the podcast. I've been listening for well over a year now, and I seek to apply the practice you preach on a daily basis. When my girlfriend of over two years and I suddenly separated this weekend, I knew I had to have you weigh in. We are truly in love with each other and speak openly about a happy future together, but we've been challenged by a difference in lifestyle brought on by our recent graduation from undergrad. I work as a consultant and live out in the burbs of Chicago, while she just started optometry school and is living in the city. I'm making money, she's racking up debt. I'm stuck at home with my parents and working with an older crowd. She's engaged with her peers all day. These circumstances and our intense focus on our separate careers have put some distance between us at times, but whenever we're together, everything is great. Here's the kicker, in my opinion. I've been talking about moving away from grad school for a long time now, and this has introduced some very understandable doubt. She vocalized these doubts last weekend over the phone, saying she never thinks about being with anyone else but me, yet she's unsure whether our relationship can handle the strains of these next two to five years. I told her I couldn't move forward with confidence and trust after learning of her uncertainty. We met up later the same night and decided to separate with mutual heartbreak. Now, the plan is to spend a few months learning what it's like to be apart. During that time, I will apply and hear back from grad schools on admission and funding. Then, I'll have to decide if I'll stay and continue an unfulfilling job or leave to pursue my passion. I always knew an attempt at long distance would put serious strain on our relationship, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised if the mere concept of it has driven a wedge between us. She tells her friends and family that we need to figure some things out as individuals before we can decide if we're ready to commit to each other forever. We're only 22, so I think some fear over that commitment is natural and don't completely feel like a sucker for believing in her intentions. She wants to free me up to decide what's best for me, and she no doubt wants to avoid feeling guilty for making me stay. Is this break the chance I need to focus on a life-changing career decision? Will it be the tough lesson we need to learn that we belong together? Do I have to decide between love and career? Please advise. Sincerely, love is hard. Hey, love is hard. I'm going to say something a little controversial here, but you don't belong together. I just want to take that phrasing out of the letter. You don't, quote unquote, belong together. Nobody nobody belongs together. It doesn't mean you aren't a great fit for one another, though. It just means that you what you're writing here, the language I'm seeing is kind of a scarcity mindset. Like, you belong together. Translation, you belong with her and no one else, or she belongs with you and no one else. You guys are still super young. So, and I remember what I thought when I was young as well, which is that, oh yeah, there's a few people that are gonna be great for you. But the truth is there's just 
millions, literally, of people that are going to make you just as happy as the person that you're with now. I know you can't really see it because it's very hard to see for anybody when they're in it, but you're also very, very young. And you, especially as a, as a guy here, you'll form a relationship when you are ready to settle down and no sooner. You don't have commitments right now. You don't have kids. There's no sense rushing into those things, those commitments. It's, it's not good for you. It's not healthy. And you right now are very fortunate to have the luxury of time, at least for the next few years. So I, if I were you, I would focus almost exclusively on your growth and on your career. People grow apart or grow at different speeds and that's okay, it's totally natural. Don't try to short circuit the process of this, of growing at different speeds or growing apart from somebody because it'll only lead to pain. If you don't grow, you'll resent each other which will poison the relationship and if you do grow and you grow apart, you will naturally grow apart and most likely uh, just statistically speaking, you will most likely grow apart, and that's totally fine. That's just all, that's just life. If it is quote unquote meant to be, and you know what I think of that kind of phrasing, you can pick things up later. What is most likely going to happen is you'll be different people in a few years, and you'll have different goals and different criteria. And it's okay. It took me forever to realize this, by the way. It's okay for phases in our lives to pass. It's just it's fine. It's part of life. This relationship is likely just one of those growth phases. It doesn't mean you need to nail it down because if you nail down the relationship, it's not the same thing as nailing down the feelings you have for each other right now. It's not the same thing. And I, I need you to see that difference here, that the feelings you're having right now are not something you can force to stick around forever, even if you force the relationship to stick around for longer than it should. You're ready to change gears now from the sound of it. It's healthy. Congratulations. Hope you all enjoyed that. Don't forget you can email us friday at theartofcharm.com to get your questions answered on the air. A link to the show notes for this episode can be found at theartofcharm.com slash FMF91. Also, don't forget about the Art of Charm Challenge. Text CHARMED, that's C-H-A-R-M-E-D to 33444 in the States here or anywhere else. Just go to theartofcharm.com. We're gonna take you step-by-step step on becoming better at making personal connections, making professional connections, becoming a better networker, increasing your personal social capital and your charisma, and it's for both guys and gals, so check that out. Text CHARMED, C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444 in the USA or anywhere else. Just go to theartofcharm.com. By the way, I do a lot of speaking these days as well. If you're interested in having me come speak to your organization, corporation, school, whatever, reach out to me here, jordan at theartofcharm.com. Quick shout out to, this is funny, ready for this, Jason? Husto is Susan Winters Porter slash kind of like doorman type role over in New York City who I heard listens to the show. She was wondering where he was. Everybody thought he was listening to like mariachi or bachata or something. That's what the building thinks he listens to, of course, because he's Hispanic. Turned out he was listening to The Art of Charm. And she found that out by saying, what are you listening to? And he said, oh, this podcast. I couldn't believe it. I love this. And uh, as well, a big shout out to Tom Hike at the Mayo Clinic, the Mayo Clinic, who also listens to the show. I love hearing about this. If you're in a strange land listening to my familiar voice, hit me up. I would love to shout you out. I love hearing about the reach that the show has and uh, the changes that you're making in your life as a result. So go ahead and send me a note. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com, including info on our live residential boot camps. Those we run every single week here in LA if you really wanna dig into this stuff and work on your AOC skills with us as your coaches. That's bootcamp.theartofcharm.com. Now stay charming, get out there and connect, and leave everyone better than you found them.